Hi everyone, Rita here. I am super excited to introduce you to our next guest, and you will hear my excitement in a moment too. We recorded this episode a bit over a month ago, but you know, life gets in the way, and that's a good thing. Before we get to your conversation though, I want to say thank you, thank you so much for listening to our episodes. We really hope that listening to other internationals' experience navigating work and life in Denmark brings some reassurance to your own journey in this beautiful country. Also, thank you for following us on Spotify and on Instagram too. That's it. Now let's move on to talking about our next guest. In this episode, you'll learn about Edgar's experience moving to Copenhagen to pursue a master's degree and his journey finding a program that spoke to his academic needs. Edgar also gives us advice on how to find and rent an apartment in Copenhagen. He also talks about his own curiosity to try new experiences and how he planned this new journey with his girlfriend. This episode could give you useful insights to do just that. If you stay until the end, you'll hear more about the Greater Copenhagen Career Program, which is offered to international students about to graduate to help them navigate the work culture so it is easier for them to get a job in this country. Okay, let's start. Hi, Edgar. Uh, I'm super excited to have you in, in our podcast today. How are you doing? Uh, fine, Rita. Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. Uh, how are you doing? How are you feeling this morning? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day here in Copenhagen. Um, today it's Wednesday, so midweek. It feels good to get to Friday soon. Um, so I am super excited to talk to you today, uh, especially because you're the first uh, Spanish-speaking person that I have in the podcast. So thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you go ahead and share a little bit more about yourself, uh, where you're from, and also where you lived before moving to Denmark. Yes, totally. Uh, well, as I said, uh, I'm Edgar. I was born in Mexico City. I am 29 years old now. I lived uh, almost all my life in Mexico City. I studied there. I studied my bachelor's degree in there. After that, I worked for a bit. I worked actually at a R&D department at Colgate Palmolive. Then I, during my studies, actually, I decided to do an exchange program while I was studying my bachelor. So I have lived also in Nottingham in the United Kingdom. I mm -hmm. was there for six months and also uh, two and a half years after graduating, I decided to come to Denmark where I have lived since 2016. So it's been almost four years living here in this, uh, in this country. Wow, that's, I mean, I would say that's a lot, but maybe it's not that, <laughs> that long, <laughs> but it's, uh, I guess, a nice amount of time to experience uh, a culture like so so different from the one uh, you know you were born into in Mexico. Um, yes, so totally. yeah, so how was your time in the UK? Um, in the yeah. UK, I must mm -hmm. say uh, it was well. First of all, I was there when I was younger, when I was uh, when I haven't even finished my bachelor's degree. So if I'm being totally honest with you, I went there to study, but then again. 
my only worry in life was to study. So I had a very good time. I was, <laughs> I met a lot of people that were mainly there in a, in a party mood, in a like, oh yeah, we're studying, we're young, let's go out, let's have a drink, <laughs> let's go to a party. So in the beginning, my experience there was um, about- Lots of fun. Out. Yeah, a very fun one, I must say. And also uh, when I went there, I had the fortune to be uh, with some friends. Mm-hmm. So uh, some friends from, from my university back in Mexico, we all decided to go to the same place because we wanted to go um, to go on exchange before finishing our our degrees. That's pretty cool. Like actually, with a group yeah. of friends to decide to go yeah, to one place together for a semester. I wish I had thought of that <laughs> back when I was in school. <laughs> Helps a lot. <laughs> Helps a lot. <laughs> and what were you studying there? I don't know if you uh, said well, that. It was only a semester. Uh, okay. So I studied some subjects or some courses that were related to the ones I had to study back in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was mainly courses related to biotech and mm-hmm. biotech engineering and also some related to um to well to sciences actually mm-hmm. more uh, biology chemistry fermentation processes it and was then, mainly the um, mm-hmm. that those yeah. were the and uh, after yeah. that so, sorry for i keep interrupting you <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but after that um then you went back to mexico after that yes. year abroad and you worked there after graduating right Yes, actually, my uh, my experience abroad in the UK was in my second to last semester. Mm-hmm. So I was there from January to July. So I went back to Mexico and I studied my last semester uh, in Mexico. Then I graduated in December of 2013. Mm-hmm. And after that, I started looking for a job there in Mexico City. And I actually found one in, uh, in Colgate, Palmolive. I was in, mm-hmm. uh, in the research and development department. Okay. I worked there for two years in two different uh, departments inside, uh, inside R&D. Interesting, interesting. And wh- why do you decide to come to the Mac to study your master's? Why not um, in Mexico? Well, one part of me was, always wanted to go back uh, across the pond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, from what I told you, that a very nice experience that I had before. <laughs> and also another part of me was uh, is a very curious person mm-hmm. so I just wanted to to go out and experience uh, and experience the world again and travel a bit and part of me thought that if I didn't do it at that time maybe afterwards could be harder mm-hmm. to actually do it that's uh, that's kind of the main thought that made me try and come here in the beginning so when you decided to come to study in Denmark um what were the process? I mean, what was the process? What do you have to do? Or do you do you know it had to be Denmark? Or were you, were you open to other countries in Europe? I was open to more countries, actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, I decided to come here with my girlfriend. She's also from, from Mexico. And she also uh, wanted to come and study a, a master's. I wanted to do a master's in environmental in the environmental field. Mm-hmm. She wanted to do hers in the pharmaceutical field. So we started looking around uh, a lot, uh, around a lot of universities and sometimes we found one with a very good environmental program but not with a good pharmaceutical one. Uh, or the other way around, with a very nice top-notch uh, pharmaceutical one but not a very nice environmental one. 
So we kept looking around in several universities around Europe, and we actually found that the University of Copenhagen had a very good program for both our interests. So that's why we decided to apply to uh, the University of Copenhagen in the end. That's awesome. It's also great that you both were able to come at the same time. Yes, um, yes. It, was, um, it was very fortunate. And actually, the application process was not that uh, hard, actually. We just had to translate uh, our transcripts from back in Mexico. We had to translate some course descriptions so that they knew that we were qualified to take mm -hmm. those, uh, to take the masters. So, and we applied, I, if I remember correctly, around uh, January and 2016. And then we got our, um, we got accepted at the end of March or something like that, or at the beginning of March. So it was not that long of a process, at least to apply for the university. That's good. So sending transcripts and waiting to to be said that, yes, you're in and that was it. Or we're, okay, awesome. Yeah. That's that's great. <laughs> and yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's very nice, actually. And then we had a couple of months to get all of our uh, first in order back in Mexico. And we came here at the end of August of 2016. So it would be almost eight months after after applying going through all, uh, leaving our jobs behind, starting again as students in a foreign country. Yeah, how was that? How do you prepare for uh, this big move? What did you research um, about Dagmar before moving? Well, first of all, it's all about uh, where, where, where to live, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know if, um, if everybody knows this, but the residential market in Denmark, and especially in Copenhagen, it's way it's very 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 crazy <laughs> it's crazier than you might expect with uh with apartments being either overpriced or very few being available so it's almost like a cutthroat environment where <laughs> you have to go for an apartment and we didn't really know that so in the beginning we were actually offered to uh, like try and live in the residences that were not part of but uh but like um, suggested by the university, mm -hmm. but also those ones were uh, very hotly contested. So we actually ended up without a, without a place to live when we were very close to coming here. So we actually, for the first two weeks that we were here, we lived in an Airbnb just outside of the city of Copenhagen. And uh, we were very lucky that during those two weeks, we applied for several apartments <laughs> that we could rent and we actually found uh, found one at a very nice price, a very nice area actually also. And we were lucky that we didn't need to extend our, our stay at that uh, Airbnb. And just to learn more about like the resources, like where exactly do you look for these apartments? Is it a website or do you like hire someone to help you with this? Well, we were, uh, if it, uh, We actually ended up uh, with a lot of time, with a long time in the Airbnb and having no success, we would have uh, actually hired someone to get one from us. But from a, from a newcomer's perspective, and that's, uh, that's an expensive thing to do. Right. And we yeah. have that, this, um, this idea of now we can do it. It yeah. shouldn't <laughs> be that hard. So uh, in, when, when we first arrived, we started looking at mainly two uh, web, uh, websites, two online platforms. One of them was uh, Bolig Portal, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. And the other one was Labolit, which are 
two websites that are exclusively dedicated to to just posting uh, real estate, uh, either rent or, uh, or either to rent or to buy. But the problem is where, what that we encountered, and we knew about that by reading posts on Facebook and help groups uh, on social media, is that sometimes they don't want to have students renting uh, mm. renting these apartments. So most of the times we applied, but then maybe we didn't even get a chance to introduce ourselves. And so how do you go around that? Yeah, it's uh, it's all about timing. I think. <laughs> it's all about timing because the guy who actually uh, rented a apartment in in the end, he told us that just uh, a couple of just 30 minutes after posting his ad for his apartment, he received around 100 requests to see the apartment. Mm-hmm. We were lucky enough to be one of the first uh, one of the first uh, persons to actually contact him. And that's why we ended up having the opportunity to go and see the apartment before anyone else could do it. We, when we were there, we saw the apartment. We didn't really have anything to, to complain about it. And we knew that it was either take it or just suffer a little bit longer <laughs> trying to find one. So we just took it. That sounds great. <laughs> Especially because you figure out how to do it on your own and... You know, using these two websites. I've heard of those websites before. Yeah, they're the ones people go to to get people to find an apartment. But I've also heard that it's quite difficult. Um, Yes, it's difficult because we've also heard some some of our colleagues and some of our classmates while we were studying. We heard some horror stories around that. (laughs) We we had a friend who actually ended up living in an Airbnb in a very... um, a very sketchy Airbnb, I must say, for almost uh, five months because he mm-hmm. could not find a place in Copenhagen. We also heard a, a lot of horror stories about scams, about people just uh, falling prey to these uh, scammers who are around because, as I told you, since it's a very competitive market, mm-hmm. people are just there to take advantage of you if they can. So, some, so one of the things that we ended up seeing in these groups on Facebook and on social media was never make a down payment without actually looking at the apartment for. But some people That's who are coming advice. from abroad. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it feel it sounds like a common sense, but when you're desperate to find a yes. place, especially if you're from overseas and you really have nowhere to stay while looking for it, it can be quite hard, especially if you're uh, from overseas and you really cannot go and see the apartment by yourself you would either need to have somebody here in Copenhagen looking for it uh, for you or just come before and again live in somewhere else in a hotel Airbnb or a hostel for a while so it's um, we're, I'm grateful that we did not fall for those um, for those kinds of tricks mm-hmm. but at the same time we were a little bit scared about that in the beginning well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, and going back to the time you were studying, that was like, like the scary part of the podcast. Be careful. Oh, yeah, it's quite a detour. Yeah. <laughs> the dark stories. Yes. But, <laughs> but going back to the time you were studying your master's here, can you tell us a little bit more about that experience going to, to you know, to the university here and, you know, interacting with other students? Were they uh, mostly internationals or do you also get the chance to have classmates who were Danish. Yes, well, uh, first of all, because I didn't know any Danish before coming here, mm-hmm. the uh, master's was in English, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of people from, from outside of Denmark. I would say that 
two-thirds of my of my classmates were from outside of Denmark mm-hmm. and well well I had a chance to know some days uh, while I was studying there I would say that most of them well half of them half of the days we had in the program ended up not uh, not completing it or just uh, taking some time when while studying for one reason or another so in, in the end I think only only three Danes actually ended up graduating. Still, it's a it was a small it was a small class, mm-hmm. but in the end, only only three Danes, only three Danish girls actually ended up graduating with us, with the rest of us international students. And is that a little bit like a speculating? But like, do you know what happened to the rest, or is just maybe it's a normal thing to take a break? While you were studying here, I think one of them. Uh, she was a very uh, adventurous girl, and I think she decided to take a gap year. And I think she ended up going to Greenland, but I'm not oh. really sure about that. Uh, there was another guy who was um, he kind of, he had kind of this uh, bohemian lifestyle. Like okay. He'd always be like um, up in his own world and talking about uh, talking about uh, some some very bohemian stuff and I think he ended up having some um, some personal trouble or maybe okay. a personal need and he just stopped going to uh, to the courses after the uh, after the second semester actually I feel like we're introducing two sections today to the podcast the horror story and also let's just gossip let's just talk about what's going on I like gossip. Who yeah. doesn't like gossip, right? <laughs> but that, that's great. So some people graduated. That's what we know. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and after that, uh, when do you start looking for a job? Do you do that before you get um, you finish your studies, or how how is that process? Well, you start. At least I started doing that before um, graduating from from the program. Actually, when I was in my second year of my master's, I ended up being part of a of a program called the Greater Copenhagen Career Program. Uh-huh. And what they do there, it's a, well, it's a program funded by the municipality of Copenhagen. And what they do is that they pair you with a with a tutor, and this tutor can be in the form of a of an accomplished professional in one field that you want to go after studying or somebody who is in academia if you want to go do a PhD or something like that. So uh, I went into this program and aside from pairing us with the with a tutor who would help us like giving us tips about how to apply, how what to do with your CV. That's what, so um, cool. Like what to that. do an interview. Yeah. We also got some courses. Uh, by people from the municipality of Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. So they gave us courses on how to build your CV, how to make a talk in an interview, how to call uh, before uh, sending your CV. So we ended up getting help uh, in that regard. That's interesting. Like, So first you should call or it'd be good to call uh, the person who's recruiting and then send the CV. So it's more like first they get to hear you and have more of an idea that you're actually a person with just this paper. Um, that's, yeah, and uh, yeah. I guess that uh, that makes sense in a, in a way if you think about how uh, how the Danes think. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of people told me that uh, there are some places here in uh, here in Denmark that they really don't look at your CV if you didn't call first. Because Whoa. they think that if you call first, then you're showing actual interest in the position. 
Okay, listen up because it's something we should yeah. all be doing. <laughs> yeah, good tip. Maybe because they receive a lot of applications, so I they bet, just need another yeah. criteria to just just narrowing the pool of uh, candidates before actually started going on interviews. That's but that's a tip that they gave us, and they were very, very. <clears throat> they ended. They told us that a lot. Just, just call. Always call. Wow, and it's. I just learned something new today, so thank you so much for that. But also, <laughs> um, but also, is that program just for students or anybody who comes to Denmark can you know be part of it and hopefully find a mentor? Um, I remember just being a. Uh, as being for students, actually, okay. I think, uh, I think I remember it for being, it being for students, but I'm not really sure now that you mentioned it. We're all the students in life somehow, so <laughs> well, yeah. it wouldn't be wrong to just, yeah. you know, get in touch and see yeah. what the opportunities are. Yeah, we are, uh, <laughs> we're all students of life. We're learning every day. So uh, where do you decide to apply? Uh, I mean, you were studying your master's here. You could have applied anywhere, I guess. Um, so what, what made you feel like, oh, we're, we're going to stay in Denmark with your, uh, with your girlfriend for you to start looking for a job here. Like after two years, what were some things that you really liked about this culture? Because you decided to find, to look for a job here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. One of the, um, one of the things was that, um, well, they ended up telling us a lot about how, um, you had a degree here so you can make use of it here. It, it could be better here. You have an advantage over, uh, some people and in a lot of these courses and in a lot of these, um, a lot of these, uh, events, they have this idea of, oh yeah, please, you are talented people. So stay here, please stay here, make use of your degree um contribute to Danish society while being here and that ended up uh, staying with us so we decided just to stay here work for a bit here and then go back to Mexico but what I what I found while looking for a job I mean we're venturing again into the horror story part of uh, part of the podcast is that what I feel is that they say a lot of stuff like please stay here please uh, make use of your degree But then after you graduate, you're kind of like left alone and given no extra tools. They, they tell you to stay here. But like a end, mama bird just pushing the, <laughs> yeah, the little yeah, bird in, off and in the end, And in the end, you're, you don't feel like, um, you don't really feel a lot of the time. Like they really want you to stay here. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if that sounds wrong. Maybe I could just rephrase it. But um, I feel like the intention is there. Mm -hmm. or uh, for you to stay here after you receive a nice education and since you're qualified. But once you go out, maybe the, the programs that are there to help you uh, establish afterwards are not as well developed as the ones asking you to stay. Right. That's what I think. Like there's need to be like a funnel, maybe connecting some education institutions, yeah, like with some companies. So the transition yeah. can be yeah, maybe yeah. smoother. And because there are a lot of programs telling you to stay, telling you to apply to jobs here that Denmark need, Denmark needs uh, qualified individuals like you. But that's all like before graduating. Maybe they could do mm -hmm. something afterwards, like something to actually connect you and make that transition more, uh, more smooth. Mm -hmm. And... Okay, now the moment of the truth. Like, how many places did you apply to? Like, how was that oh. that time of you applying, applying, and then getting a job? 
I kid you not, I've made more than, I guess, around 200 applications. <laughs> All of them in Copenhagen? At least 200, uh, at least, yeah, in Copenhagen and the metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. So I've made around 200 uh, at least email applications. From those uh, 200 applications, then I got a, I got called back for like 10 of those. And from those callbacks, I got about three interviews. So it's wow. a very competitive field out there. And it's you really, really competitive. <laughs> well, what's the, the time frame for these applications? Just curious, like, were you like all day on your computer, like for a week or was this in a, in a month or... Yeah, no, these, these applications were, uh, had this goal of sending at least one or two applications per day so that I did not feel like I was uh, losing time. And in the end, it takes a lot of time to send this application because you have to tailor the CV and the motivation letter to each uh, application. So it takes a little bit. It's, it's not just about, uh, because it's not just about like what you would do in Mexico, I think. Because I think in Mexico you can just send um, a standard CV, maybe tweaked a little bit to uh, to, the, to the position you're applying to. But uh, you seldom need a motivation letter when you're applying to uh, to a job in Mexico, and that was uh, quite a difference here. Because every application needs to be different. You need to call to the uh, to the workplace before sending your CV. So it's it's a process. It's a process that takes some time of the day. But you also cannot only do that during the day. You also need to do some other stuff. You need to take care of your home. You need to go out. Or, you have so, to eat. Yeah. You have to eat. Have some yes. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah. and how do you prepare for the interviews uh, when when you got those three those three interviews out of the 200 application? Sounds exciting, too. It's like you, you know... Like you were yeah, training it's, and it's always and like um, results. Yeah, it's always an adventure. Sometimes, um, one of the times they actually send you like, we want to talk about this, so be prepared for <laughs> for this. And uh, some other times, it's just about uh, knowing what the position demands uh, from you, what you need to do in that position, and also um, what the company is about, so that when you go to the interview. You actually don't say anything that would compromise your chances of staying there. Like maybe making a reference to one of their competitors or just not knowing something basic about the company, right? So it's all about, um, I think, studying the company and studying what they need you in, uh, what they need you for in that mm-hmm. position. And from what I've heard from some other people, it's also um, they want to know about you in these interviews. Because if they call you for an interview, they, in a way, know that you can do what they are asking you to do. So it's more about uh, knowing you and being casual about right. um, how you are, um, how do you work inside the work environment. So it's more about knowing the person instead of knowing the uh, professional. Right. It's more like to see if you are a good fit for even the, like the social environment, probably, or the working environment there. Um, yes. Mm. Yes, I think that's one of the main uh, one of the main ideas in a Danish interview, from my experience and also from what I've uh, from what I heard from friends and colleagues. Mm-hmm. And and what have you enjoyed about the working culture here? Because I know you worked for a few years in Mexico before coming here to study. 
What's something maybe different from the working environment that you really appreciate here? I mean, I'm thinking of Friday bars. I mean, Friday's <laughs> Friday bar. But besides that, like, what other things? You're like, I really like this about going to work every day. Yeah. Okay. One of the things here, which, <laughs> well, yeah, aside from the Friday bar, which is a yeah. very nice, uh, very nice idea to actually mingle and um, <laughs> and enjoy your with your colleagues. It's um. Is that in here? It feels like people actually trust that you will do what they have asked you to do. Mm-hmm. They, uh, well, I think back in Mexico we have this um, this culture of people maybe sometimes not doing what they need to do unless you tell them all the time, constantly repeating to yourself, "You need to do this. Remember this other thing." So sometimes uh, in Mexico there's this culture of being somebody being constantly. Uh, above you mm. do this do that remember and also um well that's one thing that i uh, that i enjoy about the working culture here they really they know they know that you know what they expect mm-hmm. and they know that you will do it otherwise they will tell you how's it going but uh from what i've heard if they don't t- if they don't tell you anything then you're doing a good job <laughs> because you are um <laughs> You're delivering what you're expecting to. And also uh, another difference that is, I think, very, very clearly seen with work mm-hmm. here is that at least in Mexico, we have a lot of influence from the world culture from the U.S. And sometimes over there, you have this expectation of going not the extra mile, but going like the extra 10 miles for the company. <laughs> Like, oh, you need to stay late. I'm sorry, we're not paying you overtime, but you should stay late. Oh, but uh, yeah, officially your contract uh, says that you need to work from, let's say, nine to five. Right. But nobody respects that in Mexico. And actually, if you if you do your work on time and want to respect those time frames, sometimes people look bad at you because they're like, Oh, why are you leaving uh, at your time? Why are you leaving on time? You should stay more. Why are you uh, arriving on time? You should uh, arrive earlier. So it's more like this culture of going the extra mile for the sake of the company, mm. which in here they actually, I mean, they want you to to do your, your job, but they also respect your personal life. They don't right. expect you to stay overtime, to always be earlier, to leave later. They and that and that also comes back to that uh, trust that they have in you. They know that during your work times that are clearly defined in your contract, you will end up doing what they need you to do, so you don't and you don't need to be earlier or later during the day. Yeah, there's more like a work and life balance here, right? Where they. They respect your your free time, and it's it's also as important for you to be like healthy and uh, like mentally healthy. I guess that you're taking care of, and yeah, you develop other areas of yourself. It's not just work, right? Yes, like, yes. Yeah. Even though I, um, for example, I'm only doing a, an an internship right mm-hmm. now, they still uh, they still respect that that part about you. In the end, it's only about uh, you delivering what they ask you to do. So it doesn't matter how you do it. If you take like five days to do it or just one all-nighter to do it, as long as you deliver it on the deadline that they ask you to, then it's okay. And they're they're good with that. 
And that actually helps you plan your week accordingly and plan all your day around. And it's better in a way because you're you can actually take some time during the week. And Edgar, how has it been for you personally to adapt to the Danish culture? I'm sure right now you feel like, yeah, I'm good. Everything's great. But and I'm sure it was great when you moved here, too. But where were some things that when you moved here, um, they were a little bit strange or things that, I don't know, that, that caught your attention? Yes. Well, first of all, it's uh, quite a big shock coming from a, from a Latin American country. First of all, people are more, are more closed towards their interpersonal, interpersonal relationships. They, uh, there exists a very big uh, personal area around people. So one of the things that I remember, like being a, a shock in the beginning, was people not talking uh, on the bus stop, for example, inside the bus, or just not talking to strangers. That's, uh, that's something that would happen every day back in Mexico, and it doesn't happen here. And also making friends, making at least Danish friends. It's one of the things that's uh, the harder to do here in Denmark, I must say, because most of them, they have their friends and they have them they have had them for a long time sometimes from when they were in preschool or in primary school so they honestly feel that they don't need any more friends and it's very hard to make a danish friend and still it's very hard to make a even a danish acquaintance someone to do that actually feels comfortable talking to you or inviting you to parties or places. Yes, that's that's something that is true. I think in the beginning it would make me feel a little bit sad, but I think now after being here for a year, I respect it more and I think I understand it a little bit better. Yeah. But yeah. you know what I think? I yeah, think yeah. they, they have the secret for Hugo and they just don't want to share it. Right. <laughs> They're like, don't come to my place. I don't, yeah, because then we can bring Hugo everywhere and uh, yeah, they just want to <laughs> keep it to themselves. But no, it is, I've experienced that too. It is, it is different. Um, like I'm thinking also in Chile or um, the time that I spent in San Francisco in California. I would just talk to people I mean, yes. all, all the time, strangers all the time, of course, like not just my friends, but also strangers <laughs> is like a normal, casual conversation. Um, and I had this conversation with uh, Jessica yesterday. We recorded an episode where we talk about her experience here. She's from um, Wisconsin in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that also she misses uh, a lot is the casual conversation like a one like some interaction okay. with someone new that just you know brightens up your day maybe right maybe it's not the conversation itself it's more the interaction that makes you feel acknowledged and and it can be very isolating to go out here <laughs> if you don't go with your friend <laughs> it's part of the process it's, it's a process it's, uh, yeah it's adapting yeah and uh, in the beginning i must say that most of most of the expats actually end up uh making friends with, with other expats mm -hmm. and it's only with time that you end up making uh making some friends with some Danish people. But in the beginning it's mostly between uh, between ourselves yeah. and then you expand uh, like, from there. It seems like there's some also like dating work to do when um creating these friendships right with locals where mm -hmm. um It's, it's quite slow. Um, it's, it's different. I've enjoyed it. It's been new. It's been a challenge. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> But uh, it's, it's, it's another culture. And, and that's the interesting thing about living in other places. How long did it take you to, to like, be okay with it? I'm just wondering. Like, you've been here for four years. 
Yeah, um, with that, I think it um, what helped a lot was that I didn't come here alone. Mm-hmm. Was that I came with my girlfriend, so it really didn't feel that that hard mm-hmm. because in the end, all the time I could come back and just uh, just be with my girlfriend, and that ended up being a very nice nice thing to have because then you don't feel like oh I wanted to make friends with this person and they rejected me or <laughs> oh this person they're so cold because you you can always come back to the warmth of your home. Right. So that uh, that helped a bit, but uh, it stopped being alien to me, and it stopped being hard uh, or um, difficult for me. I guess after um, after one year, I guess once the uh, once the winter ended, and actually <laughs> when people started getting friendlier, when the warmth started coming back, <laughs> I think I think that's when uh, that's when it got better. Yeah, when it's summer and everyone is out and about and drinking and playing yes. music on the bridges, and you can feel how their uh, how their mood changes, right, with seasons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's one thing I uh, I noticed that if you want to try and start a conversation, maybe wait for a, for a warmer weather. Maybe don't do it on winter. I just realized that I, sh- I really want to start asking this in this podcast. Uh, can you recommend some places where people yes. can go and feel like they're eating, you know, because food in Denmark can be uh, also a challenge uh, when yes. it comes to taste. I mean, to me, it's been a little bit extreme um, and I'm still learning how to enjoy it. Uh, yeah. but, <laughs> but so sometimes it's really nice to go to a place where you can eat that food, you know, that makes you feel more like at home. So I was wondering if you can share, if you found any place, you know, yes, that you I feel. Yes, I found actually. Yeah, okay. There are um, three places that we have found that, mm-hmm. um, that sell very, very good tacos. Yeah, uh, because at least when it comes to Mexican there cuisine, yeah. there is uh, there is not one place we would um, we would actually recommend or uh-huh. suggest. But when it comes to only tacos, yes, there are three places that we would have liked to to recommend. One of them, and it and it comes from the uh, from a higher kind of cuisine in a way. Uh-huh. It's called uh, Hija de Sanchez. Uh-huh. They have one. They have a restaurant in the near the meatpacking district, and also one uh, one small uh, one small shop in Tobehallen Market. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry about how I, I mispronounced <laughs> those words. I think, but um, but yeah, they sell uh, high end kind of tacos. Mm-hmm. And they taste very nice, but uh, they can be a little bit expensive, is you if you ask me. But they are very nice tasting, so I could recommend those and also I would recommend another one called uh, La Neta mm-hmm. they have also two different uh, venues one in Neapol and one in Vestable I think and they sell more like traditional street tacos more than uh, more than high-end or restaurant tacos like Hija de Sanchez does mm-hmm. so I would recommend those they are very good uh, approved by someone by someone from Mexico City. <laughs> well, thank you so much Edgar for this no, no. conversation. I really appreciate that you made the time to talk no, to us about your me. experience <laughs> and is there anything that you would like to share like before we say goodbye? Oh yeah, uh, I mean, maybe we we ended up talking a lot about this uh, as Rita said, the horror story yeah. part of the <laughs> podcast. But in the end these are just uh, experiences one has. And the fact that I'm still here is a, is a reminder of, of the fact that this is a country that grows in you. 
Maybe in the beginning you were shocked about uh, some things, maybe you struggle with some things, but in the end it's a, it's a nice country to be in. It's somewhere where you have a peace of mind that maybe you don't have back from the place I come from most of the times. And it's a nice place to be in. That's why I'm still here. That's why I want to have a professional uh, career here. Mm -hmm. And just don't be dissuaded about what you hear or what you uh, read uh, on the internet. It's all about uh, trying it and it will grow into you. And I can honestly say that when I go out in here, especially in this city of Copenhagen, it is a nice place to be in. And oh, I really like this place. That's so nice. Well, thank you so much, Edgar. Um, no, thanks to you. Yeah, have a great week. Yeah, you too. Hi again. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly had a great time learning about Edgar's experience in Copenhagen. And what I promised in the beginning of this episode, if you're about to finish your studies, take a look at the Greater Copenhagen Career Program. They have one starting this month, October, which runs until May 2021. And you can find more info at international.kk.dk. Thank you for listening again. Be courageous and see you next time. You see pies everywhere, helmets worn as scarves, people drinking in the street, yet weed is so bad, he gets super light in April at night, but you can find months in the dark. Are you here in a new place, far away from your usual space, what to do?